Welcome to Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, presented by ChangeUp. I'm Owen Shadrick, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Johnny Maffey. Johnny, how are you today? I'm great, Owen. Thanks to everyone for tuning in, whether they're watching or listening. We had a great interview with Jack Arend, who currently wears the hat of interim manager for the Rocks, but he's worn a lot of other hats as well. Yeah, Jack, a 2020 Futures League champion with the Silver Knights and a member of the Brockton Rocks in 2018 as well. Really excited to have him on the podcast. And you've talked about him as interim manager. He got his second win as I was at the Norwich Sea Unicorn home opener last night. Really excited to have Dodd Stadium officially part of the Futures League, but the Rocks ended up coming out on top despite a very late Sea Unicorn comeback. Yeah, we had a, a good weekend. You know, it wasn't, it was, it was great, but you know, the weather spoiled a lot, you know, New England, we were up in Burlington, it was like 45 degrees at night and dry and everywhere else was wet and cold, but now it's going to be like 80 this week. So hopefully we get some games in no, no, no more rainouts, and uh, we'll do the no rain dance. Yeah, we're doing the no rain dance all week, hoping for better weather. In the meantime, though, we want to present our interview. I know a lot of people have been waiting for this one. So without further ado, we present our interview with Jack Aaron. Let's roll. At this time, we are honored to be joined by our next guest, who is a 2020 Futures League champion with the National Silver Knights and now takes his talents to the coaching circles in Brockton. It's Jack Aaron, assistant coach of the Brockton Rocks. Jack, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm good, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, you said when we when you accepted our offer that it was about time, so we're finally excited to have you on. The last couple weeks and the year that's kind of gone on, and I've seen the podcast and seen some of my buddies mention my name, and Katie and I have been talking. It's like, man, I got to get on there. And so, again, about time. <laughs> yeah, you're a popular name in this league, that's for sure. And let's get started on these questions here. So obviously you are on the coaching staff in Brockton. That was a very last minute thing. So how did you end up on the coaching staff in Brockton? When did it all come together? It kind of was in talks throughout the year, but because of like NCA rules and stuff, we can't really like, wasn't like solidified. So I had known Chris English and Tom Tracy because I played for the Rocks in 2018. I mean, I'm a futures league lifer basically. So like I've been around the league for a while and, my coach at Bates, Coach Martin, John Martin, he uh, he had called me over the winter. and was like, hey, man, like, I'm thinking about our coaching with the Rocks. Like, would you want to help me? And I was like, yeah, like, we could try to make something work. Like, I don't, I don't know what the rules are with this. And he was like, all right, well, like, let's just kind of stay in contact. And if it's interest, like, if you're interested, like, let's try to make it work. And so as my season went on with Nichols and everything was kind of – I was playing and – I was kind of still interested and, and then like the season ended and I talked to Tom, I talked to Chris English and um, we kind of got it solidified and they were like, Hey, like, do you want to be assistant coach? And we have a, another guy, obviously coach Martin didn't, didn't get the full-time job and he he's doing his thing, but Mike Garza's got the head job. And I was like, yeah, like this was a really good opportunity for me to put something on my resume and get into the coaching world right away. And I mean, it's a little weird because it's like, I'm coaching dudes that I've played against or played with like, Ben Rounds, I was teammates with last year. And like, we saw each other in the locker room. He's like, what are you doing? Are you playing again? I'm like, no, man, I'm your coach. Like, <laughs> and he was like, that's, that's awesome. But yeah, it's, it's cool. Like, I mean, I'm 23 years old, like probably one of the younger guys in the league. So it's definitely, it's definitely weird being on the sidelines. You, you have to kind of be more on top of everything, like administratively, you have to make sure everyone's on the bus on time. You got to make sure that all your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted and Obviously, Mike's been a huge help. He's He's been down at Virginia doing his thing with the team down there, and they're going to a regional. So, obviously, happy for him. But, I mean, I'm kind of being thrown into the fire right now, and that's the best way to learn, right? And we got to ask about that. You know, you come in with the assistant coach tag, and all of a sudden you were promoted internally <laughs> to the, the manager position for the first couple games. When did you find out about that? Obviously, like, we knew that Mike – was at Virginia and they, they had been getting hot. So, and they're kind of going on a run right now. And he, he had been contacting me and said, Hey, like, this is what's going on. Like, we're going to make a regional. We're going to, we're going to do something. And I was like, all right, like, what's the plan? And he's like, well, go for it. And like, it's all you, man. Like Tom was like, you gotta, like, this is, these are your guys. And like, you kind of have to like step up and take charge. And I mean, I was a catcher. So like I, the leadership kind of comes naturally to me. Not to like say like I know what I'm doing, <laughs> but like at this like at the end of the day it's baseball. 
I'm here to, to develop as a coach. These guys are here to develop as players. So I tell them like, let's be aggressive. Let's make mistakes aggressively. Like if we're going to mess up, we're going to mess up. That's why we do it. We're not playing for a national championship. We're playing for a futures league championship. There's obviously something on the line. You want to win every game. I mean, you don't show up and say, oh, who cares? If you're keeping score, you're going to you're gonna want to win. Like I said, like we're going to play aggressive and I'm going to try to do things aggressively and figuring everything out kind of on the fly is, it is what it is. And I, I love it. So it's, it's good to be here. Have you coached or managed at any level of the game? <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. I mean, like, I think I helped my little league coach a couple times, <laughs> but coaching college guys not really like I said like I was a catcher and I was a two-time captain at Bates and I came to to Nichols with some some experience and playing experience and leadership experience so that kind of comes naturally to me and I love it the the older I got in my career the more I enjoyed seeing other guys succeed obviously you want to do well for yourself and for your team but when I knew that I wanted to be like on the sidelines and in the, in the bench as a coach, it was like when I started to understand that as individual as of a sport, this is, it takes everybody's individual effort to, to make something happen. So when I started to see guys succeed and I like got really fired up, like even more fired up than seeing myself succeed, I was like, okay, like I can kind of ease my way into this coaching gig. Like I, I love it. Yeah, it's certainly a team sport. And we saw that in your first win, which you won in an all too familiar way via the home run derby last Thursday. But you got to win uh, because you guys like tied it up two different times, I think. And then last night you had a pretty good victory holding off the Norwich comeback. We're recording this Tuesday morning, of course. Uh, what was it like getting those first couple W's, you know, it being just your first time in the dugout as a uh, as a skipper? It's fun. I mean, obviously, Owen and I saw each other last night. So we were like, obviously, my first W as a manager is going to be a home run derby. Like, it just makes so much sense. Like, I mean, the last couple of years, like I, I've been throwing BP and been winning home run derbies. Like to my to my buddy, Dom Keegan, he's at Vandy right now. And we won two or three last year. And it, I just kind of got in a, in a, got in a groove. And, and then this year, it was like we tied it up. Or when we played uh, Norwich, we... We were up 3-2 in the ninth, and then they ended up scoring two. And then we – Jack Murphy got a big hit, and we ended up tying it up again. And we were like, all right, here we go. Home run derby. And I brought all the guys up. I'm like, hey, look, I'm undefeated. Don't don't screw this up. This is on you guys now. Like, I'll put it where you want it. Let's hit some home runs. And then the, the rules are changed this year, so it's not like the three-minute timer. It's a 10 out. So it's kind of like the home run derby, like old school back in the day in MLB. So it was – they hit one, and I was like, I could hit one. <laughs> like, let's go do it right now. Like, so Pat Roach got up, he put a couple out and it was fun. And it was, it's, it's obviously weird to go from like an intense game into like a home run derby because it's, it feels like you're playing like a 10 inning game and then you're like, everyone's fired up and you, you got a lot of emotions going through the game. And then it's like, all right, let's just take BP to end it, but it's fun. And then yesterday, yesterday was awesome. The guys had a lot of energy. Um, Bryson started us off with a triple and we scored. And then the second inning was huge. Um, we scored, I think it was five runs. And, and then Kevin Dow just kind of cruised through his five innings of work. And then we got Ben Reyes in there and Avery Mabe and to kind of shut the door. And it was kind of a hectic game. But, I mean, if we, if we keep taking care of everything, like, offensively, the defense will come. I know we've made like three errors like the last couple games, but like everything will come. Like everyone's like, I mean, look at Ben Rounds. He's he went to Harvard. Like he hasn't played in a year. They didn't have a season. So guys like that, you just need them to get more in the swing of things. Literally, you got a really good group of guys down here in Brockton, and they all love playing for for each other, which is kind of unheard of. Like in summer ball, like sometimes you see some guys that are like. I'm just going to come in do my thing, take over, do whatever I want to do. But like these guys really enjoy playing together. And they, some of them told me we like playing for you. So if you make it enjoyable as a, as a coach, obviously we're going to take things seriously when it needs to be serious. At the end of the day, like this is summer ball. Like, let's enjoy it. Let's have some fun and let's develop in the, in the process. Let's, let's develop as players, as people understand who you're representing and everything kind of will take care of itself. Yeah. That's definitely something we keep hearing about the futures league. It's just, it's a, it's a different summer ball atmosphere. Oh yeah. It's one of the best. I mean, 
it was awesome last year that we even got to play. Big props to to my sister Katie up at Nashua and Cam Cook there. I think obviously everyone in the league did a great job of of helping put it together, but I think having Katie and Cam like kind of younger voices and really eager to start their careers and really eager to wanting to play and wanting to do it the right way and understanding that we can make this happen. Like especially during a pandemic when everything is so uncertain, they really made everything happen we were the only only league to play really in the northeast and that's why the league last year was so good and it's just all the talent was really good and then it makes the futures league look really good okay like now we got all these guys that who would have played in the cave you look at the dom keegan's of the world the sal freelix the cody morissette everybody like that they're coming in and playing and like as a player i was getting diced up i was hitting barely 200 it is what it is but i'm like this is fun like this is good baseball and then for this year, like it's just we got we got some more talent. Obviously, more leagues are opening up, but it just kind of puts the futures league on the map. And then you guys, like Owen, Johnny, you guys doing the podcast, it just it kind of it kind of takes everybody into the world of what it's like to be a coach, a player, and a GM or something like that. So it's it's you guys are doing a great job. This is awesome. Thank you, and we appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> And you just spoke on it. The talent that was in the league last year was absolutely ridiculous. One of those players being Dominic Keegan, who you mentioned earlier, you were the personal BP thrower of Keegan during the home run derby. What was it like throwing to Dom and watching him do what he did last year? It's impressive to watch. The only thing that I didn't like was when we had to do the, the home run derby is that because it was timed, I couldn't watch where the ball was going. So like I had to like throw it and wait to they like umpire hold his hand out and then he'd go like okay play like I could throw it and so I I couldn't see how far these balls went it was impressive like this kid is one of the best hitters I've been around really really good kid super humble understands where he came from he he comes from he loves the game he's a professional all the way around and that's obviously credit to to his parents but also credit to coach Corbin down at at Vanderbilt like I was down there with my dad a couple weeks ago when we watched them play against Kentucky and they do everything right it's crazy my dad's like how do they know what's going on like there's so many balls flying around everything's it's so regimented but it's if you want to develop and you want to become a better person and a better player you you go you go to Vanderbilt and coach Corbin loves his guys from the northeast because he's a northeast guy too he's from New Hampshire so watching Dom I mean I had known of I think he he in his podcast he had talked about a little bit but we had known each other like I'm obviously a little older than him but we played for the same AU program, um, the show, which is out of Lawrence. Uh, Steve Lamazny, he, he's a really, really good, like, developer of the game, like, really teaches the game really well. And he was a catcher, so that was part of the reason I went and played for Steve. And, and Dom was a catcher, and he's, he's a utility guy now, and he's obviously playing first at, at Vandy. But I had known Dom. He, he was, I mean, what am I? 23 he's 20 years old so I'm three years older than him I had seen him play I'd seen him hit I'd see him in the in the cages and stuff but we never really had a buddy buddy relationship but then once this year or last year started and we got to Nashua together I was like this is a good guy to kind of keep my eye on let's just like become friends and like it wasn't weird or anything it was organic you kind of make it you make it organic and make it natural like the guys that you like being around, you enjoy being around. And, and Dom was one of those guys that obviously his BP is impressive and everything is really impressive that he does on a baseball field. But he's, again, he's a really good kid. He's fun to be around. And I mean, if you, if you know who how I am, like I'm fun to be around too. So he, he enjoyed being around me. And obviously he probably really appreciated the BP. So, I mean, we take batting practice and go in the cage after and we just talk about the game and just kind of pick each other's brains. And it was, it was awesome. I have a lot of respect for Dom and the way he, he carries himself and the way he plays. And I mean, kid's a beast. So. Yeah. I mean, he talked very highly of you on his podcast episode. So it was only fair. We asked about him. Exactly. Before we get back to our interview with Jack Aaron, we want to share a message from our friends at 78 sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in new England. Not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and hitting net, or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. The team at 78 Sports has designed and installed hundreds of home and commercial sports training facilities, 
So let them help you plan the perfect setup for your space. Visit 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. For a limited time, by mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to Jack Aaron. Speaking of last year, I can't believe it took so long for us to ask this question. You finally did it. After three years, you're an FCBL champion with the Nashville Silver Knights. What was it like to win that championship and know that your effort paid off? It was awesome. I mean, especially for me, having a lot of ties to, to the Futures League. My family hosted Kevin Stenhouse back in 2012, and he was the MVP of the league for the Seacoast Mavericks. So we've been involved. Like, I played for the Mavericks back in the day when I was younger. And it actually, like, it was funny because when he, when Kevin played, I was playing for the Seacoast Mavericks, like the 14, 15 year team. And I actually traveled with the team and I threw batting practice to the team as like a 14 year old. So like, that's when I really started to feel like I, I want to be on the field. I know what it's like day in, day out. Obviously I'm not playing, but I enjoy being around the game. And then last year with COVID and I broke my hand, I broke my hand, my handmade bone, my second game, my senior year at Bates. So as bad as it was for COVID and everything to end, it was like kind of like a fresh start for me. To, to get surgery and get back on the field a little bit. And I had struggled with some injuries a little bit throughout the, the season last year, just kind of getting back in the swing of things. Like when I would swing, my, my wrist would tighten up and I had to end up getting another cortisone shot. And it was just, it was a pain, literally like a pain. But towards the end of the summer, I think I was, I was player of the night when we played the Westfield Starfires. I I played all nine positions. Like I closed a game out, like a close game. We were having fun. Like, I knew like, the team was fun. You got guys like me, you bring in Dylan Jones, older guys that have been around the league for a while. We kind of understand what it's like to play summer ball, but at the same time, we're here, we want to win. We kind of set the tone in the locker room of we're going to have a lot of fun, but like when it's time to strap it on, it's time to strap it on. It was definitely rewarding and it's good to beat Worcester because John Creedon and family, like they own both the teams. So it was like the rivalry between the Worcester and Nashua. But yeah, I mean, I remember Brendan Dufault, who's closing it out. And I told, I told him before the game, I was like, look, you're, game three, I was like, you're going to come in, you're going to strike out the last batter and we're going to freak out. Like, it's going to be so much fun. And like, I'd never been in, done anything like that. So I like threw my helmet off. I threw the ball. Like I was like, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to put the ball in my back pocket. Like I'm going to act like I've been there before, but I haven't done it before. So it was... It was fun. Dogpile was fun. And it's just like, it kind of shows like, again, the talent that was there. You play together as a team. doesn't matter if it's summer ball or at your school. Good things are going to happen. And, and we enjoyed being around each other. We enjoyed playing together. It was definitely a really, really good experience. So can't wait to see my ring, but that might take a little bit. Obviously, we're supposed to play Nashua on Sunday, but I'm going to have to get that at some other point. But yeah, I mean, Nashua is a a special place to me. I played Legion ball there growing up at, at Holman Stadium. So I've been around the field for forever. Yeah, COVID can't keep the ring from you, but the rain can, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. So tell tell whoever's listening, tell the fans, tell the league, tell the watchers, what makes it all worth it when you know you caught that last strike and you threw you threw everything up in the air. What are you thinking about? What's going through your head all the early mornings, whether it's the the late nights, the long bus rides or just the workouts, you know, mid-November when nobody even knew about COVID. It's it's nice. Obviously, obviously it's summer ball. It's it's good to win one in summer ball. Obviously, you want to win one for your school because those are your boys, and that's what that's what you go to school for. You go to win a, a conference, a, a regional, and a World Series. But in summer ball, it's again like you said, like you put in all this work. I mean, for the last twenty years, really, like I've been playing baseball it's it, it kind of brings a kid out of you when you win you remember what it's like to be a little leaguer and just play because you want to play the game you love the game to play and but when you're when you're kind of an adult 23 years old you kind of cherish those moments because you don't know how many more opportunities you're going to get especially because of covid you, you start to understand you, you can't take anything for granted and that's why baseball is such a a great teacher of life you could fail and fail and fail and fail and get knocked down and and you keep trying to get up good things will come your way i think it, the more you get punched in the face and the more times you can get get back up it really shows that who you are as a person the toughness that people have but you gotta get in the weight room you gotta you're hitting like i remember me and my roommates used to 
or we, me and one of my roommates, he was a position player at Bates. We, we had a hitting facility that was the only one that only thing off on campus that was dedicated to the baseball team that was only ours at Bates. And we would, sometimes we couldn't sleep. It'd be 1230, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. We'd go hit off the tee. We'd go take BP and, and it was right next to our dorm. So people were probably mad that like they're in ping, 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 but it was like, we wanted to succeed and you don't play a sport or do anything in life to, to be bad at it. If you're going to, if you have that mentality and you're, you're complacent, I don't have time for that in my life. And that's, it is what it is. I want to be around the people that, that really are passionate, whether it's about baseball, about certain things in life. If you have passion, that will take you a lot further than people really expect it to. I mean, look at me, I'm five foot six. I'm, I'm 180 pounds. Like I'm, not physically intimidating whatsoever. I am like the least physically intimidating person ever. And so for me to even play, like I went to St. John's Prep and I went there because of baseball in high school. And like, that's where I wanted to be at. And that's the only school I applied to. And, and it was solely because of baseball. And I got an opportunity to play and I started as a junior. I wasn't very good. I thought I was good, but like, I wasn't very good. And then getting an opportunity to go to Bates and Coach Leonard, Mike Leonard, he had recruited me. He ended up going to Middlebury. So Coach Martin came in and we had no idea who this guy was. And I kind of was thrown into the fire again. Like we had a couple guys transfer and I was the starting catcher as a freshman. And, and it just makes you better. Like just being kind of thrown into the fire and, and, you have to figure everything out. I, I, my, my career developed a little bit. I understood what I needed as a player, what I needed in the weight room, in this, the training room, um, what I needed to do pr to prepare myself physically. And mentally, I always knew that I was there. Mentally, I'm going to beat you nine times out of 10. Like that's, and that's just my mindset. Like I'm just, me and my roommates at Nichols, we, we used to say bully up. Like you have to bully up. Like it's just a mindset. You have to show up every day. Not like you're better than anybody, but with a chip on your shoulder. And like you, you have something to prove. And if you, if you play the game smart and you do something with passion, again, good things will happen. And so I think having that mentality throughout my career has made me a better baseball player and a better person. Yeah, couldn't have been a better answer there. You talked about what brings out the kid in you. Did anything bring out the kid in you more than when you played all nine positions in uh, in nine innings <laughs> to end the season last, the regular season, excuse me, last year against Westfield? And who'd you have to convince to do that? I, don't, I honestly don't think we had to convince anybody. I think I think it, we were on the bus one day and KJX was like, all right, Jack, you're playing nine positions tomorrow. And I was like, all right, let's go. I kind of think that, I mean, he might, he might say something different, but like, I, that's how I remember it. So it was like, is that oh, what cool. made him clinch manager of the year? Yeah. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of, he was fun to be around. Like he understands what it's like to play summer ball. And obviously K Jax is a really smart, smart baseball guy. He played professionally. So he knows the game really well. Yeah. He kind of just said like, Hey, you're going to play all nine tomorrow. And I was like, all right, let's go. I started catching. And I went to the outfield and I'm in the outfield. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I, I don't know. I can't read a ball off the bat. I don't, I haven't been out here. I think I was thinking during batting practice, I was taking fly balls in center field. I got stung by a bee or something. I was like, no way I'm doing this. Like, this sucks. I don't know what's going on. And then when I got the third, it was, I forget what inning it was, but I got the third and I got a ground ball to me. And I was like, oh man, I got, I got some hit to me. Finally, I had to like, make sure I, I fielded the ball. And there was a runner on first, so I threw it to second. It was really slow. And they were like, all right. Like, everyone was like, let's go. Like, good play. And I'm like, yeah, that's a lot easier when you're behind the plate telling everybody what to do. But yeah, I brought, again, they brought out the kid in me. It was fun. You just have to enjoy it. I've been struggling a little bit with injury. And like, I, I hadn't been hitting the ball that well. And to kind of see everything kind of come together. Like, as a catcher, I enjoy hitting. Because when I catch, I don't have to think about anything. If I get out or if I get a hit, I can really just come out and just kind of flush my last at bat and go with, cause I know that I have to, as a catcher, I have to work with the pitcher. When I played all nine positions, it was like, okay, I have to play all these different positions. So I wasn't even thinking about hitting. And then I hit a double, I hit a home run. And I was like, oh, that was cool. Like I should probably do this more often. <laughs> yeah, earned yourself player of the night to end the season. So that was a, that was a fun memory that you'll definitely have for a long time. And you talked about it a little bit in the previous question, but Kyle Jackson, the 2020 manager of the year, was your manager last year. What have you learned from him in the couple of years that he was a coach in Nashua? And how have you used what he taught you to help pay it forward this season? KJX is one of those guys that he doesn't argue with umpires a lot. He's going to let you play. He's going to he's going to let you like do your thing. But when it's game time, he's he expects you to be ready to play. And 
that's kind of obviously it's it's a little different from school ball. School ball, you kind of like it's really intense, especially different players that come from different organizations. They'll tell you. I bet Dom is like coming from Corps to KJX is like whew, breath of fresh air. No, like KJX, he knows the game. He was a pitching coach for the Silver Knights when I was my first year there, 2019. I think it was, yeah, 2019, BJ Neverett was a head coach. We had been really close and like, like as a catcher, I'd work with the pitchers and we had talked a lot about different scenarios or like what you, we're just bouncing ideas off each other. And I mean, that's how I've always been with different coaches is like, Hey coach, what do you think about this? Or, Hey, do you see this? Or I see this. And what do you think? And I've always been like very open with a lot of people and like been able to communicate very openly, like all the time. And like, he, he's just kind of taught me to to enjoy the game. You never know when, like, again, obviously COVID has helped this mindset, but you never know when your last game is going to be. And you never know when when you're going to be done. So just enjoy it. And KJX is definitely a really good mind, really good baseball guy. And he's a, he's a good person too. So he, he enjoys being around the guys. He enjoys summer ball. He enjoys Nashua. But he's a, he's a gem. He's fun. Oh, without a doubt. He was awesome for us on the, well, not for, not for me, but for Owen and, and Matt last year on the, on the pod. And, and obviously uh, just, he, he kind of welcomed me last week, you know, when I met him at the tryout and uh, he's a great guy. So you also played for Brockton in 2018. How does it help you, you know, being around so many different parts of the league uh, in the dugout this year? Definitely helps. Like you said, I played for Brockton in 2018. And uh, when I actually, when I went to St. John's prep, I, like where our uh, state tournament was, was at Campanelli. So I have been around, I like, I played Legion ball at, at home and, and uh, high school ball at Campanelli. So I've been in these stadiums before and that definitely helps because it's like when you go in as a player to like the futures league, when I first came into the rocks, it was like, okay, like I know the field, I know the dimensions. I know what's kind of, I kind of know what it's like. Um, I know what the atmosphere is like. I came in 2018. I played for, I think it was Dan Gustavsky and then Andy Terrio. Andy and I have a really good relationship. He's another good one. He's a lot of fun to be around. We, we, we were on each other a lot and it was in a good, like fun, like healthy way. Even in the podcast, he said, like, he was talking about favorite players. He said me and he said, yeah, but he's not tall enough to ride the the roller coasters at Universal or whatever, like that's how our relationship is. I I'm texting him because his wife is actually she might have had her their babies a couple of days ago. That she's had they're having twins, and I was texting him and I was saying congrats, and I told him like he's uh he's got the dad bod already figured out, so he's all good with that. And uh, so yeah, like just fun stuff like that. Like he's he's awesome. He's like when when we played when Bates played Plymouth State my junior year it was our first time seeing. Andy in like a year or so and uh it was just good to see him like and then obviously last year I got to see him a little bit and we get to catch up all the time and he's he's awesome I love Andy yeah Andy Terrio another good friend of the podcast so good to hear that you two still stay in touch that's awesome yeah and another good friend of the podcast your sister Katie Aaron the assistant GM of the Nashville Silver Knights of course what was like having her with you the past two years in Nashua and the many years of your baseball career? Definitely. I mean, when we, when I first started playing baseball, um, she'd be the first one to tell you this, but uh, like literally she had to come to all my games and she probably didn't like it at all. And I actually, I know she didn't like it because she would always complain about it. And then my parents were like, look, Jack, this is what Jack's doing. You go find something that you want to do and we'll go support you. And so she ended up swimming. She swam at UVM and, she yeah so it, we always joke too because she was like we would have thought that I was gonna be the D1 athlete and she was gonna be the D3 smart like the brains of the operation and the brains of the family and she ended up going to UVM and I ended up going to Bates so um we always we always joke about that like but it's in it's in good fun but yeah it, when she then she went to Florida State to get her master's and it started at uh, Nashua as an internship for her when my first year. And so that was kind of cool to be around her. And she like, again, it's funny because it all circles back to like, now she's involved in baseball. She can't get away from it. So it's, it's cool. But, and then she got a full-time job with, with the Silver Knights as an assistant GM. She's really smart. She's definitely a pain in the ass, but she's really smart. She'll watch this and she'll text me after and she'll be like, I hate you or something like that. It is what it is. But 
she like I, I couldn't be more proud. She's awesome. She's very passionate. I mean, my parents raised us to be. If you're gonna be do something, do it with hundred percent passion. Do it, do it with for the love of what you want to do. She's really good at what she does. She's really good at telling people when they're wrong in a professional way. She's good at being in your face and and like letting you know when you when you screwed up or when you did well. And she holds herself to a, a high standard and. It's funny too because she's definitely the older sibling. You can tell she's definitely the older sibling, and I'm the I'm the I'm the baby because she's very rule following, and she'll get mad at me about this again. But she she's very like by the book, and I'm like, whatever. Like it is what it is. Like I don't care. Like I I'm as long as we get from point A to point B, I don't care. Like she's like we have to do it like this, 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 and this. That's how Katie is, and that works for her. For me, that doesn't really work she but at the end of the day she she knows what she wants to do and she's very passionate and she she's definitely a good one like she will be around the game for probably a while um I don't know how long she's going to be in Nashua I mean like you guys like I don't know if this is the end goal to be in the futures league for your entire careers but it's a stepping stone to to what's what's to come in the future and it's definitely it's definitely good for her and Cam Cook, it's good for the resumes to to say we got uh, baseball played during a pandemic, something like that. Like, or I mean, Katie's fill, they're filling box seats, they're filling stands, and they're doing great a great job with sponsorships, and and they they just know what they're doing. And again, like you, sometimes you have to be thrown into the fire to figure everything out. And with how structured Katie is, it's probably definitely like a like fire going off and like that spongebob like when the fire is like like he's in the fire his brain is like he's freaking out like that's kind of how i feel like katie might might have felt at first but now she, that she has a a good feel for what it's like um to be an assistant gm to be a, a in a professional leadership role i think she's gonna she's gonna do whatever she wants whatever she wants and whatever she sets her mind to she'll she'll do a really good job yeah, there's not many podcasts in the world, if any others, that can ask about, you know, your your older sister being being your GM or assistant GM, but uh, that's awesome. We're here for all those questions, all those answers. Before we get back to our interview with Jack Aaron, we want to share a message from our friends at On Demand Storage. Are you tired of living in clutter? Do you need more space around your home or office? Are you sick of visiting your self-storage unit? Does your business need a way to securely and conveniently store excess materials? On-demand storage will pick up your items directly from your location and bring them in storage for you. When you want something back, give us a call and we can deliver it back right away. We bring convenience to the outdated self-storage process. Visit ondemandstorage.com and submit an inquiry. During sign-up, mention the Futures League and receive 50% off your storage pickup. Once again, that's ondemandstorage, all one word, dot com. We now return to our interview with Jack Aaron. Moving from the SCBL now to to your career at Bates, you're a two-year captain. You were first team all NESCAC twice. How'd you summarize your career at Bates, if you can, in, in one answer? And uh, what was it like to have some success there? A lot of success. It was fulfilling. It was definitely like there's nights like when you're in when you're in high school, and I've had some coaches who I, I I'm really close with now who had to, to motivate me said you're not going to be a high school player, let alone a college player, and at the time I didn't understand what that meant. And he was just trying to get, like, they were just trying to get me to understand, like, there's always more you can do. And there's always more that you need to do to, to prepare yourself to play the game. And I had known that I've, I've always like had a really, really good instincts and really good IQ on a baseball field. So, and that just might be because I'm a, I'm a catcher, but at the same time, I'm really competitive. My mom and dad love to play cribbage and like, that's an old school game. And, but if they, they play a game of cribbage, like, and I beat them, like they're mad at me. And that's how I grew up. My mom is one of 14 kids. My dad's one of nine. So it was, it was kind of like survival of the fittest. Anytime you play a game, any, anything, it's, you play to win. You don't play to just play. And that's where I think our generation now is like, you can pay to play all over the place. And I mean, that's a completely different answer to a completely different question, but yeah, getting back on track. Um, <laughs> Bates, I, I enjoyed Bates a lot. It, it really taught me, taught me a lot about 
what I want to be around and taught me a lot about what I don't want to be around. I mean, this is anywhere too, but there's definitely a, a little bit of entitlement at Bates that I, coming from a blue collar family, I didn't understand. I didn't, I, I don't really, I, I don't think I'll ever understand that. But at the same time, it, you, you kind of gain an appreciation for being around it because you understand, like, again, what you want to be around and what you don't want. I want to be around people that, that are hard nosed, that are blue collar. And the baseball team, thankfully, a lot of those guys are very blue collar. And Coach Martin, he comes from a very blue collar family. He's going to not really take a lot of crap and he's going to want you to, to come out and, and play the game the right way and play hard and good things will happen. And so I think really what turned my career around at base was when I really started to understand, like, I need to get in the weight room. I didn't understand that a whole lot at, in high school. Like, I knew it, but, like, I didn't really understand it as much as I should have. And then my roommate, who I actually played with, at the, in the Futures League, I'm actually staying at the same host family right now that I stayed with three years ago. So that's kind of funny because I, I called them up and I was like, I might need a place to crash when I'm home, like in Brockton this summer. And they're like, yeah, no problem. I go, okay, good. Cause I still got their key. So um, <laughs> like Nolan Collins, he, he hit, he was a pitcher and he, he went to Richmond this year for his fifth year. He's a stud, but he would always get in the weight room. And so once I got in the weight room, like I felt like I wasn't ever like in, on the field, like a real big power guy or anything like that, but I felt stronger. I felt like my legs were healthier and uh, just my, men again, my mentality of I'm just going to continue to prove if, if people are doubting me, I'm going to continue to prove people wrong. And I'm going to continue to prove myself right because I know, and I believe that I can, I can do this and becoming a first team all NESCAC player was never the goal. The goal was winning. So when I got, like, I remember my sophomore, uh, yeah, my sophomore year, I got the call from my coach. He's like, hey, man, this is awesome. Like, congratulations. And I was like, yeah, but what about, what about Jake Shapiro, who was our closer, who was a stud that year? What about, what about Nolan? What about these guys? He's like, dude, like, be selfish for a minute. Enjoy it. Like, this is, this is awesome. And then I was like, okay, my name's kind of starting to, like, people know who I am. Like, I had an okay year myself. I felt like I had an okay year. I didn't think I deserved to be first team, but I mean. I was the only catcher to catch every conference game. And I thought that was normal. I thought every catcher did that, but it was just me. And I was the only one that did that. So I, I was lucky enough to, to be first team. And then my junior year was my probably my best year. I hit like 350. I threw out like 19 guys. I was co-defensive player of the year. And I really enjoyed it. And I, I was a captain. So it was like, again, I was putting this leadership role. And I was like, I can't tell guys to do something if I'm not going to do it myself. I balled out like I, I did what I had to do and it was it was fun and then coming to Nichols I don't know if this is another question of yours but I'll just kind of get into it but coming to Nichols was like I was done at Bates like I knew like I broke my hand COVID happened I was ready to move on in my life I'm, I'm not very big on change like I don't like change I don't like things changing constantly but I mean in the industry I'm getting into I'm gonna have to understand that change is a constant and when Bates, COVID happened, everyone shut down, we had to go home. It kind of ended on a sour note and there was not a whole lot of closure between a whole lot of people. Not to say I don't love those guys or anything like that, but like, it, it just like, the way it ended was so bad. It was just, it was just weird. You know what I mean? Like, it was just awkward. You're leaving, like, it was like, you're with your buddies and all of a sudden it's like, okay, go home. It's like, okay. You don't know what to do with yourself. Like I was writing a thesis. Like I had to finish that. I had to do everything for school and I had a broken hand. I was, I, I was so done with everything. I was so done to move on and so ready to move on. And then I went to Nichols and coach Mayo, Skip, that's my guy. He called me once I got my name into the transfer portal. He, uh, he had coached at Trinity my freshman, sophomore year or sophomore, junior year. And he was like, Hey man, like we need a catcher and we got everything. We got all the other pieces and we just need a catcher. And I was like, let me think about it. And I thought about it a little bit. And I mean, we have, we had Kyle Bouchard, Jack Desenzo, Rob Cobb, guys in the Futures League that I had played with and I had known. And I was like, yeah, this is, let's, let's make it work. Let's do this. Like I, I would love to. And their, their mentality is, is very blue collar. So it was, it was a breath of fresh air for me. It was like, you, you come in, you have to work and you have to, we're going to put you to work and you're going to earn, you earn your spot. It doesn't matter if you're, you've been a co-defensive player of the year. It doesn't matter if you're first team on the SCAC. You're going to come in here and you, you got to earn your spot. And I was, I really appreciated that. And 
I have a lot of love for for Skip and Coach Goss. He's a pitching coach, Coach Johnson. He was my catching coach. And my roommate, he was a he was a grad assistant coach, Joey Ascenza. That kid is he's an absolute character. He's an animal. But all those guys, like, I mean, then look at this year. Like, I don't know if you've seen the CCC, the, the awards and stuff. Boosh, Boosh was player of the year. Uh, Desenzo was pitcher of the year. We had rookie of the year, Brennan Hyde. This kid from Florida he could absolutely swat baseballs. Coach of the year was was Skip, was was Tim Mayo. So and we had eight guys on all conference team. Like we had Nate Cormier, who's a shortstop. He had a great year. Victor Valentine, he he was an outfielder. He had didn't start the beginning of the year and he came on and hit like four hundred and he he did really well for us. And then Christian Nakari, one of he's my roommate for next year. He's him and Jack Desenzo are playing in the Pecos League out in uh, Arizona, playing indie ball. Like, and then I was I was third team. Like, I I finished my career on a good note, and I I enjoyed it. We were good. It was weird when I went from Bates to Nichols. It was like everything like flip flop. So at Bates, we could pitch really well. We had a really good staff, and we couldn't really hit a whole lot. Like we were like two twenty, two thirty, two forty in that range. At Nichols, we hit 343. We were like top 30 in the country in average. We were like 13th nationally in home runs per game. Like we broke our the school home run record in a shortened season this year. The pitching, the pitching was good. We had the talent. We just didn't execute. And so, it, like I always tell people, like it's it's easy to hit if you're in a lineup that mashes. I I personally had my best year offensively, or I hit 300, but I had my, the most powerful year I had was because. You got dudes behind me. Like I let off this year for the majority of the year. And I had guys like Boosh behind me who was hitting 430 with 12 bombs. As long as I get on base, like he's going to drive me in, like stuff like that. So it, it was it was definitely fun. But to answer your question, I enjoyed Bates a lot. <laughs> I had a lot of good times and on and off the field. Um, and, and Nichols was a really good way to end my career. So I'm really appreciative and thankful for all those guys at Nichols and obviously coach Martin and coach, De- coach Deschler is at Westfield coach Deschler. I played for him and yeah, it's, it's funny how everything comes full circle. It's I I've enjoyed my experience. Yeah. Nichols, basically a factory of FCBL talent. So it makes perfect sense that that's where you went for your, uh, for your post-grad. Exactly. All right. So you're, you talked about catching a lot. You're you're kind of a wizard behind the plate defensively. 992 field percentage in 2019. You're the first team all defense. And we've seen the magic in the Futures League as well. How how do you go from you were at two schools catching a bunch of different pitchers and then you're on two different summer league teams throughout your career? How do you mesh with the pitchers and how does it work out so well? I mean, I've I've caught a lot of really talented pitchers in my career. Like I remember when I like when I when we hosted Kevin Stenhouse for the Futures League um, in 2012. I was 14, 15 years old. I would go catch bullpens. I would go catch Donnie Hissa, who played at Notre Dame. I'd go catch these guys. And my coach, when I played for the Seacoast Mavericks, when the younger team, he'd just be like, "Hey Jack, go catch this guy." I'm like, oh well, like we'll figure it out. Like if I get blown up, I get blown up. Like it is what it is. And then I remember in high school, I would get pulled out of class to like study hall or whatever class and catch Pat Connington who plays for the Bucks now. He put, he went to Notre Dame, he pitched and he played basketball and I would catch him during the day. And I would catch some of these guys who Brandon Bingle, Dustin Hunt, like these guys that are playing professional baseball. And so from a young age, if you're around guys like that, like you start to develop some advanced uh, anticipation skills and uh, my big, my biggest thing as as a as a catcher is that I could anticipate really well. So, if you're throwing a curveball, I'm thinking you're not going to throw it right down the middle. I'm thinking you're going to bounce it over here, and I'm going to block it over here. So, or if there's a runner on first, like he's trying to take second, like I want to throw you out. Like I don't care. Like just like little things like that. But I mean, yeah, I mean you have to like being around different staffs. It's definitely interesting, but pitchers are a unique breed to say the least they are uh i think mike garza he was telling me he's like pitchers are delicate like they're very very delicate creatures they're but they're they're weird they're they're fun to be around they're really good time their only job is to throw a baseball so like but i found out like from a young age like i mean i was a psychology major at Bates, so 
I kind of found out from a young age that like there's certain guys that I could, if I went out to the mound and talked to you as a catcher to a pitcher, I could get on certain guys. Like I could really get in your face and be like, Hey, like figure it out. This is, this is BS. Like I'm not standing for any of this stuff. Or on the other end, you have guys that'd be like, Hey man, like take a deep breath. We got this. We can get through this to get like, you kind of have to figure out the relationship and what makes them comfortable throwing to you. And when you block a lot of balls and you, you, you have their back no matter what, like I would always be like, you can't really tell cause I always have my mask on, but I would be on umpires. If they miss this call, I would let them know. Like, and I, umpires respect that from out of catchers too. Like they, there's, they start to respect you, especially like the older you get and the more experience you get and the, the more your resume builds a little bit. Like it definitely helps being an all conference team selection. Like, because then, they're like, okay, this kid knows what he's talking about. I'm not just like some kid that's thrown out there every single day or any other day. And they're like, he's just, he's just complaining. He just wants to say all these things just to get on us. Like, no, like I have valid reasons that I'm, I'm arguing and I only argue when I'm right. So that's kind of my mentality. And it's like, and obviously I don't want to ever be wrong, but like, like even in the future, like as a coach, like I would go, I, I've kind of learned how to go up to umpires and, and talk to them about like what's the right call what's the wrong call and just kind of learning the game from that perspective but I mean some of the I mean you look at the the big leagues or college some of the best coaches are catchers because they're they're involved in every pitch and they're involved in every play so you 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 kind of start to think of the game not just as a as a position player like if I was a outfielder like just as a left fielder like I don't think of the game as just from that perspective like I as a catcher when I played I'd always have to be three steps ahead or four steps ahead and that that might just be me um, and that might just be how I was but it's definitely helped a lot kind of getting into my coaching career I mean I know it's very it's in the infant stages right now but being a catcher you just have to kind of anticipate and just know that and have the guys know that you have their back and and block every ball and throw guys out and pitchers will, will start to love you and frame pitches that are strikes. So that's a big thing too. So yeah, I guess I hope that answered your question. Oh, totally. Yeah. You steal a few strikes, you, you pick your battles with the umps as a coach, whether it's to your players or to even if any little kids listen to podcasts, uh, you talked earlier about not taking your at-bats out to the field, whether it's, you know, you don't want to argue with the ump too much and take that out there. Or if you roll over on a ground ball for the third time and you don't want to mess up the pitcher and lose some strikes that way, what advice do you give those players and those kids to not take their at-bats out to the field and vice versa? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely easier said than done. Early in my career, I've, I was one of those guys that like, I don't seem it, but I would snap. I would freak out. And it would had it would have nothing to do with anybody else other than like like you we talked about earlier like you put in the work and you expect good results and you play a game that's based off failure you're gonna fail, which sucks. How I am like with with baseball like I want to be a perfectionist and a lot of guys want to be perfectionists and you don't get the results you want but you have to understand that sometimes you can do everything right and nothing goes your way. I give a lot of credit to actually Dylan Jones. He's, he's one of my, one of my really good buddies. He, I played for the silver Knights with him for two years and he'll, he'll tell you, he's a psycho. He's a crazy, he's a crazy kid. But one thing I I learned from him was, and it's kind of funny, like when he would get out or have a bad at bat, he would come in, take his helmet off, take his batting gloves off, put everything in the trash can. And I would be like, what's that for? And like, I mean, obviously I wouldn't ask him right there because he'd be pissed off. And then after he'd come in to the dugout, take it out, put it on the bench, whatever. He's like, yeah, that, that was a garbage at bat. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I, I like that. So like later in my career, even at Nichols this year, there would be times where I'd get, I'd get mad or I'd freak out. But then there'd be times where I'd take my helmet off and our coaches would be standing there and I'd take everything off, put it in the trash can. And they'd just start laughing at me. They'd be like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like... It was bad. It was a garbage at bat. We'll figure it out later. But then like I come back in the dugout, take everything out and be like, all right, let's move on. If you dwell on it, if you get mad going 0 for 1, your first at bat, your strikeout, and you're just going to let that eat you up, 
you're going to go 0 for the rest of the day. But if you take that and you go 0 for 1 and then you kind of flush it and you come out and you have to understand that baseball is one of those games you have more opportunities and only you can change the future, really. Like you can't, like, no one's going to hand anything to you. You have to go out and make something happen yourself. And for younger players, as frustrating as it is, understand it's a grind. You just have to take the good with the bad. And when you're going good, you're going and you're going really well. Enjoy it, obviously. Like it's fun. But when you're going bad, it's not because you suck. It's not because your swing is bad. It's not because you're a terrible baseball player. It's just the best players in the world go 0 for 30. Have a different goal instead of like, oh, I'm trying to hit home runs. Hit the ball. Like if you're striking out a lot, your your next goal, your at bat should be, I want to make contact. something as simple as that like you have to be realistic with yourself and if you're not realistic then you're just you're lost I don't know what else to say you're just you're you have no feel you got to have some kind of feel and what what's going on and what you're doing and use your teammates use your coaches as as uh people to to help you along the way because like that's how I am like with these guys in Brockton I've told them like look I want you guys to develop and I want to help you out so like I've been throwing BP every day and I throw hundreds of pitches and I love it when guys ask, hey, what do you like see? And I'll tell them like straight up, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I think is going on. Like Mentally, I think you should be here. And, and then let's, let's have a conversation. Don't let anything really affect you too, too, too much. But at the same time, it's okay because that shows me as a coach, like you have some kind of passion, but there's a, there's a fine line. You know what I mean? Like there's a line between being kind of an idiot about it and understanding what the ultimate goal is. Yeah, you can't cross that line, but that's good that you've kept the coaching perspective in all this as well, for sure. And how about a message to Brockton fans as we're about a week into the season? We got a lot of talented guys on this team, and not everyone's here yet. You'll see as the the summer kind of continues in the next couple of weeks, like guys are going to start filtering in, including coaches, Coach Garza. <laughs> He's going to come in. We have uh, a lot of talent. One thing that I've really realized about these guys is they – they love being around each other. They, I don't know if they've known each other for this long, but they seem like they've known each other for a while. And, and they, they enjoy, they enjoy the game. They're really good, really good people. Like these, these players are awesome. But to the fans, like, start coming out and supporting these guys because these guys, like, we need some energy. We need some, some people out here to to watch these guys because they, they, there's a lot of talent here. And these guys know what they're doing on the field. And again, they're really good people. I couldn't be happier to, to be coaching them. It's definitely easy when you got good people on your team. And, you know, obviously you take, you have a, a couple of characters. Like the first one that comes to mind is Dylan Ryan from UMass Boston. Kid's a clown. He means well. He's starting tonight and he, he's, he's got a live arm. He's got some, some nasty, nasty pitches and, he, he's out there and he wants to compete and he wants to do well for his team. It doesn't matter if he's at UMass Boston trying to win a college world series or on the Brockton rocks, trying to, to win a ball game against the Vermont Lake monsters. Like he's going to come out and, and compete. And that's what these guys are all about. They, they want to compete and they want to have fun and it's going to be a good summer. It's definitely a grind, but uh, take the good with the bad and you just kind of keep, you keep rolling and these guys are good. This is a really talented group. So I'm excited for the next couple of weeks and months. <laughs> yeah, we're excited to see how this roster fills out, coaches and all. But in the meantime, we now move on to our final segment. It's called Quick Hits. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field head of the Futures League. Zephyr, high quality and innovative design since 1993. So, Jack, I'm sure you've been waiting for this, but we got a couple more questions to ask you to get our audience to get to know you better. Is that okay? Yeah, let's go. All right, let's roll. The first one is the hardest one. Favorite FCBL teammate? I was actually thinking about this. Uh... I figured like over the, over the last couple of days. Cause I knew this was coming. I got to give you a couple. Cause I can't, I can't leave. I've been in the league for a couple of years. Like obviously let's start out with my, my baits and my Nichols boys. Those are my guys. Like they already know what it is. It's all love, but I would say start out. I mean, we talked about him earlier, Dom, one of the best dudes to be around. Love the kid. He's a good time. Lots of energy. He's a professional all the way around. He's going to, play baseball for a long time and it's just awesome to be teammates with him dylan jones like i said he's taught me a lot of just he's he's a character he's fun to be around he's one of the most misunderstood people in the league probably because he's so intense but when you're around him he's he's harmless to the people that he likes (laughs) i would go with billy butler i played with in 2019 
he goes to URI. He is one of the funniest kids I've ever been around. He's a really, I, I, I can't tell you stories on, on right now, but he's, he's a, he's a fun time. I'll tell you that for free. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. Jared Dupree I played with him for two years. Unbelievable kid. He's a beast. The kid is the largest human being. He's a monster. He had a great year. I'm so happy for him. He was player of the year and for Northeastern and they're going down to Arkansas to, to play. So good luck to Jared and the Northeastern boys, all those guys that I play with at Northeastern. I'll give you one more. Josh Roberge, Roberge. I don't know if that's right, but uh, he goes to Wheaton again, probably one of the most misunderstood guys in the league. He, he's a grinder. Some guys are like, his kid's a psycho, but he's a pitcher. So, you know, you kind of take, he's a pitcher. You got to deal with it, but he plays the game the right way. And he comes from a winning program in Wheaton. Um, they're going to the College World Series. He's an awesome kid. Loves to play the game. High energy on the bench. Sometimes we'd be like, dude, you have too much energy. But yeah, I, I got to go with those guys. I, I, and I feel bad if I missed anybody. It's going to, once we get off this, I'm going to be like, oh, I forgot to mention this guy. I forgot to mention this guy. But they'll get over it. <laughs> yeah, they'll get over it. <laughs> and how about favorite ballpark you've played in and one you've attended as a fan? played in i gotta say in the futures league or like anywhere can be anywhere can be futures um, league okay uh in the futures league uh probably holman or campanelli just because i i played there for so long like there's a lot of really good baseball memories that i've had at the at these fields so definitely as a player playing there and then as a fan well the most recent one comes to mind obviously my dad when my dad and I went down to Nashville Vanderbilt that's crazy stadium all turf it's got the Vandy boys on the right behind home plate it's it's beautiful they got a monster in left field it's everything's right on top of each other yeah and then obviously Fenway is it's Fenway like you're from I'm from northeast you got to go to Fenway but I did go to uh the last year of the old Yankee stadium and then the first year of the new Yankee stadium. So that was really cool too. So those are, those are fun, but the Yankees are, they're the Yankees. So. We should just say besides Fenway in the question from now on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even Yankees fans said, I think Garino said Fenway and he's a Yankees fan. So. Oh, that's another one. Nick Garino. I love Nick. (laughs) There you go. There's always more teammates out there. Exactly. (laughs) How about a sports stadium or event that's on your bucket list? Oh, uh, Omaha college world series, uh, as a coach, that would be awesome. Not, not as a fan, but as a, as a coach, as a fan would be awesome. Like this, the environment is crazy out there, but the goal is as a coach, like I know how long of a grind that is to get there as a, as a division one coach. And I know how difficult it is, but I mean, set the bar high, right? Yeah. High as you can right there. And wa- how about walk-up music, whether it was last year or what you would be walking up to today? So my walk-up songs changed a lot throughout. They, they were always like rap. Like, I love rap. Like, I, I, I don't, I'm not really a big country guy. I don't know why. Like, I've never really been, been a big country guy. Like, unless it's like at a baseball field, which is weird because it's like, it's kind of like the vibe. But my freshman year at Bates, they picked my walk-up song for me. It was like a Lizzie McGuire theme song, which was Honestly, a pretty good walk-up. For the Futures League last year, I had uh, Enjoy Yourself by Pop Smoke. We were big Pop Smoke fans at, at Nichols. And then I love A Boogie. All the guys that, that know me, like at Nichols, they love that I love A Boogie. Like my, my, my walk-up song this year was Hit Em Up by A Boogie. And it, it's kind of funny because it says, basically mentions like how we're small. Like I'm small. So like if you got time, listen to it. It's a good song. We'll listen to it off air for sure. Yeah. And then how about favorite big league team and big league player, whether it's current or historical? Well, big I'm Northeast, so Red Sox. Probably my favorite player, Jason Veritek. When I was younger, I would always watch Red Sox games. I would always teach myself. Like, I, I really didn't have a whole lot of coaches until I started getting a little older, like played for Steve Lamazny. Like, I, and I'm a visual learner, so like I would sit behind – or watching a TV, I would sit there and I would catch, pretend to catch, or I would take a wiffle ball bat and pretend to time up a pitcher. And when I, the first thing I could read was a box score. I couldn't read like a book. I could, the first thing I started to like, and my mom actually thought there's something wrong with me. Like she was like, she went to the doctor and was like, why can't he read? And they're like, just, if that's what he likes to read, let him read. 
Like I could say all these like Salt Lamaki. I could say these names, but I couldn't read. <laughs> I don't know. Can you read but, them? Yeah. I, I I hope so. I think so. Yeah, I can read now. I, I mean I went to Bates. I hope I can read. <laughs> <laughs> what about a baseball nickname you have? Or any nickname? When I was younger, it was like Cracker Jack, Jack Jack. Uh this year was different. I was grandpa. I was Gramps because I was the old guy in the team. I was the old miserable guy on the team. Not miserable, but they knew what it was. Like, don't don't piss off grandpa. Um, <laughs> at first, I didn't like it. At first, I got in this kid's face about it. And now we're, we're good now. But I was like, hey, man, there's a time and a place. And then everyone was like, grandpa, let's go, Gramps, let's go. And I was like, all right, well, I can't do anything about this now. So I just kind of embraced it. Even the coaches are like, let's go, Gramps, let's go, baby. I mean, 23 years old playing with dudes that are 17, 18 years old. Like, I, feel, I felt like a grandpa. <laughs> Definitely not a grandpa among the coaching staff. And uh, no, 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 not now. But as a player, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Are you superstitious? I was when I was younger. I would have to do all stretch a certain way, do all everything in the right order, the right sock on first, and the left sock, and the right shoe, and the left shoe. Do everything a certain way. But then the older I got, the more baseball experience I got. I was like, it doesn't make me better. <laughs> and I just got tired of having to remember everything <laughs> that I had to do. <laughs> So no, not anymore. <laughs> it is tiring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about when you go to a game as a fan? What are you getting at the concession stand? A sausage. Sausage with peppers and onions at Fenway out, outside the stadium because it's cheaper outside the stadium. My one go-to. I've never been a big peanuts guy. Like sunflower seeds if you're not playing. Like I feel like that's just weird. So are you a bubblegum guy or a sunflower seeds guy when you're playing? sunflower seeds like i actually like when i hit when i was playing when i hit i couldn't have anything in my mouth like like i don't know what it was like a mental thing like if i was chewing gum like i would just pay attention to myself like going like just chewing gum like i don't know or like seeds in my mouth i couldn't do it but yeah i'm more of a seeds guy like i love ranch i mean they got so many different flavors now like i can't even keep track of them but ranch is the og i've never been a big barbecue guy though like boot Bush was a big barbecue seeds guy at practice and I, or at the games. And I was like, you're weird, dude. I don't like barbecue. And then everyone was like, you're weird. You don't like barbecue seeds. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> that defines you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and what about an all-time favorite baseball memory? Oh, man. All-time baseball memory was this year. I, I got to give it this year. We were playing, I mean, as you know, with COVID, we, we couldn't really do a whole lot. We, like, we only played conference this year like once we started playing conference we couldn't play anything else and we needed to like our like I said earlier our bats were crazy good and so I remember we were playing Curry College at home I think it might have been a Saturday or Sunday I don't remember but we were playing Curry College at home and we were down uh, 11 to 1 pitchers had like kind of given kind of kind of got shelled a little bit and so I brought them up into the bullpen and I was like everyone kept like I was like all right I'm just gonna keep this really professional and then I kind of got fired up. I was like, you guys are an embarrassment. Like, you guys suck. Like, I just ripped into them. And it wasn't like I was telling them that they suck, suck. It was just, this isn't the expectation. Like, this is, we expect more out of you guys. Because I said, I looked at the score. I go, like, it's 11-1. We're going to come back and win this game. Like, I guarantee we're going to come back and win this game. You guys just keep us here. And we ended up kind of coming coming back. And you know, we, we chipped away a little bit. And pitcher on the team, I forget what his name was. But he, uh, he, he hit me with a pitch. He hit a couple guys. And. We kind of started jawing back and forth, and I was like, dude, don't poke the bear. Don't do it. I, I told him, like, straight up, like, don't do it. Don't start doing this because this is going to be bad for you. And he, it, we were down, like, we ended up being down at like, 13-5. And then we ended up tying the game. Bush hit a three-run bomb to tie the game. We were going crazy. Like, this was nuts. And then the last inning, we were talking. I was a leadoff guy, so our nine-hitter came up, and our coach was like, hey, if he gets on, we're going to fawn him over. We're going to hit and run. And he struck out. And I, I said to him, I said, hey, thanks. I didn't want to bunt or anything. And my next, that at bat, I hit a walk-off bomb. And that was awesome. That was the most fun I've ever been around. Like, I hit it. And everyone, like, there's a video on Twitter, but everyone's, like, it got really quiet. And then you see it go out, and everyone's freaking out. I remember, like, I, I broke the helmet because I slammed it so hard. I, like, was round and third, and I slammed it between my legs, and it just snapped in half jumped in the pile like everyone's like freaking out and then we get to the the dot we get to like left field where everyone's uh like we meet after the game and our, and skip coach mayo's like I, I don't even know what to say and i'm on the ground like 
like like passed out like I'm like breathing heavy like I'm like like don't mind me like I'm just I'm like my adrenaline was pumping like I hadn't felt something like that in like a while and like I had gotten like a couple big hits at Bates but I mean you don't hit a walk-off bomb all, all the time so that was definitely one of the best moments and then also too I'll give you another one my when we didn't know if we were going to get in the playoffs or not because of Salve like um, they got COVID and then they ended up sinking their way into the playoffs. And that's another story, but we had senior day. The only time my parents could come and see, and Katie came and, um, see us play. We beat Roger Williams. We put up, we put up like 35 on him. We, we smoked him. And I hit a home run career high, two home runs this year. Like I hit a home run, like no doubter, like kind of pimped it a little bit and it was fun. So that was definitely like this year was definitely full of a bunch of memories and couldn't be more thankful for Nichols for taking another, taking a chance on an old guy like me. So it was fun. Nichols took a chance on Gramps and it worked out. Exactly. Well, Jack, thank you so much for joining us today. Best of luck with everything. And we can't wait to see you and the Rocks Campanelli all season long. Thanks guys. This was uh, definitely a long time coming, but appreciate it. Long time coming, but we made it happen. Thanks, sir. Thanks, John. Thanks, Owen. This has been episode eight of season three of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday and Thursday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.